guys, welcome back. This episode is going to be kind of like a secret episode. I'm not going to post about it anywhere, and I'm probably going to delete it as soon as I get a certain number of views, because I'm going to be talking about some things that are pretty sensitive. And the first thing that I wanted to talk about is Kroger Fuel Points, and I just kind of wanted to provide a little more information than what was said in the Daily Churn podcast. I'm just going to give a quick overview on how the Fuel Point system works. So they have promotions almost every weekend where you get 4x fuel points on third-party gift card purchases. And 1,000 fuel points gives you $1 off per gallon at the gas station. And that is up to a maximum of 35 gallons. So let's just take a quick example. Suppose you buy $250 worth of Apple gift cards. That will give you 1,000 fuel points. And you go redeem that for $1 off per gallon up to 35 gallons. So you've just saved yourself $35 in gas, and 35 divided by 250 is a 14% discount. So with a 14% discount on pretty much any third-party gift card, you can already see where there's money to be made. By buying these gift cards and then selling the gift cards along with your Fuel Point account. So some of you might already have some experience with the Kroger Fuel Points program, and you might have experienced that the gas station you went to had a maximum redemption of 1,000 Fuel Points, and that would just give you $1 off. So you might think that that would probably stop this market from existing. However, there are some Kroger gas stations out in the middle of nowhere, like in Tennessee, where there is no cap on the number of fuel points you can redeem. So the cap would just be whatever the price of gas is, and if the price of gas is $4 per gallon, then you can just redeem 4,000 fuel points at a time and get free gas. So that's where the fuel points buyers come in, and what they're doing is basically taking their semi-truck to the Kroger gas station and filling up their entire tank whether that be 150 gallons or whatever. And remember how I said that you could do 35 gallons at a time? So you're usually doing four of these. So four times 35 gives them 140 gallons worth of free gas. And of course, it's not really free to them. Uh, they are buying the fuel point accounts and that's where the brokers and us all come in. So you might be wondering, how do I find a fuel points broker? And most of these fuel points brokers are actually kind of fly by night uh, type of people and you kind of need to know a guy that knows a guy. So you may need to do a little bit of networking to find someone. But there is at least one public broker that I know of and that's Aligned Incentives. And they're actually a really good gift card broker for other stuff as well, not just fuel points. So I would definitely recommend checking them out. Right now I don't think they're actually buying fuel points, but they'll come back once there's some more demand for it. They do have a fuel points telegram chat that you can join, so you can go ahead and get in there and see when they come back. Okay, so now that I've talked about kind of how the fuel points system works, uh, I'm just going to go into a little bit more detail on how to actually do this. So there are limits uh, at Kroger at both the self-checkout and also if you buy the gift cards online which can be an option, but online you don't get the grocery category. So just something to keep in mind. So for this, I'm mainly just going to be talking about Apple because they usually have the best rates when selling to the gift card brokers. And a typical rate for that would be getting 94% for your $500 Apple gift cards and then getting $15 for every 1,000 fuel points. And the math on that works out to exactly 100%. So you're getting back exactly what you paid and then you're earning the credit card rewards. So right now the market is actually a little bit lower because we're right before the new iPhone season. 
So if you were doing this at the time that I'm recording this episode, you would expect to get around 99.5 or 99%, but I have seen rates as high as 100.5% or 0.5% above cost. And we might be getting some pretty good rates once the new iPhone comes out in October. Anyway, so the limits for buying Apple gift cards at the Kroger self-checkout terminal is $500 per transaction, and you can do up to six transactions per credit card per 24 hours. And since Apple is limited to $500 per transaction, you probably wouldn't run into this anyway, but there is also a maximum transaction limit of $1,999 at the self-checkout terminal. There also is a weird limit on Best Buy gift cards if you end up buying those, and that is $1,000 per 10 minutes, and that's store-wide, so going to a different self-checkout terminal will not help. So the blogger Miles Earn and Burn actually has a pretty good guide on this, um, just to kind of summarize all the limits I'm talking about here, so you can also go check them out if you forget. And then if you're purchasing Apple gift cards online, there is a limit of $1,000 every 24 hours. There also is another limit, and that's $10,000 every 24 hours for all gift card purchases, including Apple. But this usually doesn't come into play because Kroger doesn't sell any useful gift cards besides Apple online. So like they don't sell Best Buy gift cards online, for example. Okay, so now that I've got the limits out of the way, I'm going to start talking about the risk. So I would say the biggest risk is buying compromised Apple gift cards. So this actually isn't possible online, but it is kind of common in store. So there's two different types of physical Apple gift cards. So with the first kind, which is the older kind, there's a barcode on the back, and then you open the packaging to get to this paper card that has your gift code on it. And the paper card is actually separate from the outer sleeve, which has the barcode that you're scanning to load it. So what the fraudsters are doing is switching out that inner card so that when you scan the barcode on the outer sleeve, you're actually loading their card that they have in their possession and not the card that is physically inside of the sleeve. So a good way to avoid this is before you pay for the card, open the packaging and make sure that the inner card matches the code on the outer sleeve so that you're actually loading the card that is inside of the package and not the scammer's card. Then there's a second, uh, newer type of physical Apple gift card. And for this one, the barcode that you're scanning is actually attached to the physical gift card that has the code, but there's just like this little scratch off thing that you have to do in order to see it. And what the scammers are doing here is they are peeling off that scratch off thing, and then they're actually scratching away the last two letters in the gift card code so that you actually can't see the full code. So the way to protect against this would just be to open the gift card and then do the scratch off and make sure that all the letters are there. So these Apple gift card scams are actually not really that common at Kroger, but you still definitely need to check out for them. They are extremely common at Target. Um, I know they have like that buy $100 Apple gift card and receive a $10 Target gift card. That promotion they have uh, fairly often. And when I personally went to Target, uh, they had like six or seven gift cards in the rack and 100% of them were fraudulent. And they were the first type of physical gift card that I was talking about. So it might feel a little weird to be opening the gift card before you buy it, but believe me, uh, it's definitely something that you have to do and you'll just get used to it after a while. And the reason why this is so important is that these gift cards are a lot different 
from OpenLoop, Visa, and MasterCard gift cards in terms of how they operate. Uh, Visa and MasterCard have what's called the card member agreement, which basically says that you're not responsible for any purchases that were not authorized by you. And I've actually had a few of these fraud cases with uh, Visa gift cards. And all I've had to do is call them up and tell them it wasn't me. And they just credited me back the money. And whatever store that the scammer went to to liquidate the cards, they're the ones that ended up losing. And I did try to call up the merchant. In this case, it was a Safeway that was in Seattle. And I tried calling them to tell them like, hey, like there was this scammer that came by and spent $500 with a stolen gift card. Uh, do you wanna like file a police report and we can try and go after them? And I didn't really get anything out of that. Um, they just said that like they were busy and they would try to call me back, but they never did. So I guess it wasn't really worth their time. But anyways, yeah, like I do know of some people who were able to get their cards reissued by Apple or even I think Kroger if they caught it in time. Like right when they got home, they checked the gift card balance of the card that they thought that they loaded and it said zero. But if the scammer has already spent the money, like they already went and bought an iPad from the Apple store, Apple is not going to just give you the money back because the money's gone. And that's just not how they operate. So the only real way to get your money back is through the legal system. So that would be like going to small claims court or whatever. And at that point, you know, there might be like some legal fees and is it really gonna be worth your time for $500 or $1,000 or however much you lost? So yeah, hopefully this doesn't happen to you, but I would say it's pretty rare. Unlike normal people who actually use gift cards for gifts, Usually we, the gift card sellers, are checking the balances right when we load them. And then the gift card buyers are spending the cards pretty quickly as well. So ideally it's before the scammer can. And that's if a card happens to be compromised. And then that brings me to the second type of risk from the whole fuel points program. And that is Kroger shutting down your fuel points account. And I'm just going to give a little bit of background on how this all started. And the reason that I believe Kroger started doing this. So there can be a glitch in the system between when the buyer is filling up gas at the pump and when your fuel points balances update. For example, you could have 12,000 points in your account and the buyer fills up by consuming 4,000 points for $4 off per gallon. And then they go to fill up a second time, your balance will still say 12,000 points. And so what can happen is the buyer can actually turn your fuel points account negative and essentially be getting free gas for fuel points that they didn't even pay for. And what I think happened is eventually Kroger got fed up with people just abusing this. And I've even seen some screenshots of fuel point balances like minus 300K. So these truck drivers are getting like tens of thousand dollars worth of free gas. So this is something I'm gonna be talking about a bit later in the show and that is this even legal and if it isn't legal i mean the truck driver is just filling up their tank and moving on but meanwhile like the paper trail eventually leads back to us like with my credit card my ip used to sign up for this kroger account and my billing address so anyway kroger started shutting down people's accounts back about a year ago and they started with like this huge wave 
but then they kind of slowed down a little bit and have just been shutting down accounts here and there. So it's definitely not as prevalent as it used to be, but it definitely still happens. And the most annoying part about this is that you only know if your account is shut down when you try to redeem the fuel points at the pump. And that person's not going to be you. It's going to be the truck driver who is going to then tell their broker who's going to then tell you that your account is toast and you're going to be losing some money. But anyway, so the only real way to protect against this risk is to either sell to fuel point brokers that will take on that risk of your account getting shut down to sell your fuel point account as quickly as possible or to just kind of keep that in mind and account for it when you think about like your total profit from doing this. But I'm fortunate enough to say that I've sold about 10 or 15 fuel points accounts and none of them have been shut down, at least to my knowledge. The broker that I sell to says that I'm liable for 24 hours after I submit my account to them. So nothing has happened yet, but of course that could change. Okay, so that brings to me to just one other thing I wanted to talk about for fuel points and really gift cards in general, and that's that Amex has been starting to claw back MR that was earned on gift card purchases. And the way that they've been doing that is looking for round numbers like 500 or 1,000 or looking for common gift card numbers like $506.95. And this is about a one month look back. So if you've done this and your statement closes and it's been more of a month, you can probably be safe to assume that those points won't be clawed back. But so far the data points that I've seen have been very, your mileage may vary. I've seen people try to circumvent this by buying a $500 Apple gift card with like an apple or like a banana, which brings their total to like $501.23 or something. And even those purchases have gotten clawed back. So if you're using Amex, let's just say that you need to be a little bit more creative with your transaction numbers. And we still don't really know for sure like what gets clawed back and what doesn't get clawed back. So I would just say to keep an eye on the data points as they keep coming in. Okay, so the next topic that I wanted to cover was the ethics and the legality of churning and some sort of churning adjacent things that I've seen people doing. And I do have a few interesting stories that I can share. But before I go any further, I just want to give a quick disclaimer that none of this should be constituted as legal or tax advice. So there's definitely this spectrum between stuff that's definitely okay and legal to be doing and then stuff that is most definitely fraud. But in between that, there's quite a bit of gray area and I haven't really seen that much case law involving churning. There was one case that I'm sure most people have already heard about and that was regarding whether or not people need to be paying taxes on the profits that they earn from MS. So this ruling happened in 2021 for activities that were done in 2013 and 2014. So it was really a long time ago. And there was this couple that spent around $6.4 million over the course of two years and earned $300,000 in profit. And the ruling was that they would need to pay taxes on points earned when they had used their credit card to directly purchase a money order or a reloadable debit card that could be directly cashed into a bank, but they did not need to pay taxes for points earned when they purchased a Visa or MasterCard gift card because those were classified as a product. 
So they did not actually rule on whether if you had first bought a gift card and then used that to buy a money order, whether you would need to pay taxes when you earn points doing that. So we'll probably need to wait another 10 years for another case to come up to the IRS to get the answer to that. So this isn't too relevant right now because as far as I know, there's no longer any ways to be directly buying money orders with a credit card. But there are some MS methods out there right now where you are pretty much just using your credit card to buy cash. So I would say for that, you probably need to technically be paying taxes. But again, this is not tax advice. So anyway, I just wanted to put this story out there just to show how little like case law there is. And like even when people do make a ruling like this, they don't cover what the majority of people are doing. So a lot of things are still in a gray area and left up for debate. And I'm just going to kind of dig into this gray area and talk about like where I decide to draw the line. And I just think that some of these things are interesting to think about. So if we start just with like churning at its basic level, which is signing up for a new account in order to get a welcome bonus. And then once you get the bonus, you just close the account if you can. I think even that some people think is unethical, but I'm pretty sure we're all in agreement that that's okay, especially if you're listening to this. And then I would say the next level to this will be signing up for multiple accounts on something where people are saying that you can only have one or going over various quantity limits. So like if there's one gift card website that is selling some gift card and it says limit two, but then you bought four, I mean, technically, you're violating the rules of limit two per customer. But again, I don't think too many people have a problem with this. But what if you're using fictitious identities to be signing up for accounts? Like, for example, a lot of people were signing up like their cat or their houseplant for American Airlines accounts in order to generate offers for their credit card. And I think we all know how that went down. And this is where some people might start to feel a bit uneasy. I mean, I could see signing up your brother or sister, but when you start to have just an entirely fake person, you know, I'm wondering if some people could argue that that's not okay. And I really do think people should try to be as honest as possible when it comes to this stuff. Another common topic is business accounts for people that do not have a real business. And what constitutes a real business is definitely something that is always up for debate. There's a lot of blog posts out there already for this, so I'm not going to be talking about that. And then another thing is abusing different links and glitches or times when companies are not enforcing their terms. So like occasionally there's like random Amex or Chase links that just happen to work for anyone, even though they weren't like targeted for them. And then also it's long been known that Chase doesn't enforce their policy on earning multiple welcome bonuses for their ink business cards. So I think these are still probably fine. But where I start to draw the line is like what I talked about before with the Kroger fuel points glitch where people were just getting like completely free gas. And I would say that whenever there's a case like this where it's pretty much just like a money printer, it does seem ethically wrong to me, but I'm not sure whether or not it's actually legal. In smaller amounts, I think you could argue that it was an accident. And speaking of money printers, there was one churning adjacent story that I thought was interesting. And that was regarding the Argentina currency earlier this year. And if you don't already know, Argentina has several different exchange rates against the US dollar. First, they have the official exchange rate, which values their currency at the highest. And then there's what's called the black market exchange rate, which is really more of like a gray market, I would say. 
And that's what you would get if you're on the ground in Argentina and wanted to exchange your money. And then they have the credit card exchange rate, or it's also called the tourist exchange rate, which is the rate you would get when you use your credit card. And this is somewhere in between these two. I think it's at a point where if you go to a hotel, you would actually save money over using the black market exchange rate because you don't have to pay VAT. And there's a few other exchange rates that I haven't mentioned, like there's like the stock market exchange rate, and I'm sure there's a few others. And I think you can start to see where I'm going with this and that there is an arbitrage opportunity if you're able to get the good exchange rate on one side and then switch back over with a different exchange rate. And when you're doing this, it's actually the Argentina government that's losing because they're the ones that are giving you that discount on the tourist exchange rate because it's trying to incentivize tourists to come to Argentina and spend their US dollars. So anyway, what happened was that for a while, PayPal was allowing you to charge your credit card in Argentinian pesos. And so whenever you were paying with PayPal, you were using the official exchange rate but then the Argentinian government, with their agreement with, with Visa, would refund you 40% in order to bring this down to the tourist exchange rate. So basically, anywhere you could shop online with PayPal, you were getting a 40% discount. So the easiest way you could probably think to make money off of this would be just to send your friends some money, and you'll send them $100, but then only $60 will get deducted from your bank account. However, since all of this is done using PayPal, it would be pretty easy for PayPal to reverse the transfer. So what a lot of people were doing is just buying a bunch of like iPads and electronics that could be cashed out pretty easily, like with buying groups, for example. And I do know of some people who were able to make quite a bit of money off of this. So of course, PayPal is no longer allowing this. But there might still be some websites out there, maybe like some travel websites that allow you to pay in Argentine pesos and you would be getting the discount there. And even without this new credit card exchange rate, this kind of arbitrage is something that people had already been doing. I've seen some very sketchy looking forums where Argentine residents were telling people to make a website where you're selling some sort of fake course or fake consultancy, and then they'll pay for it in Argentine pesos and be getting that really good official exchange rate to the US dollar. And then you just send them the US dollars and then they'll exchange it back using the black market exchange rate. So doing this sounds kind of like fraud to me. But in the case of PayPal, which was what I was talking about before, where you're just sending your friends some money at a discount, it does seem unethical because what you have is basically a money printer that is funded by the Argentinian government. But I have seen some posts and some YouTube lawyers talk about how this is actually legal. Even though with both of these methods, what's happening in the background is basically the same. And this kind of reminds me of some people who have gotten their Amazon accounts shut down and their gift card balances confiscated. And what they did to try to get even with them was to order some high value items and then say that they weren't delivered when they were and then try to get a refund from Amazon for it, which is pretty textbook fraud. I'm not sure how that argument would work in court where you say that Amazon stole from you, so you stole from them. But I don't think we'll ever see a case like that go to court since most of the time it's just like a thousand dollars or something. And I just have one more story I wanted to talk about, and that's about this guy named Abdallah Asili. And this guy, who has a history of fraud by the way, was indicted for being the ringleader in this sort of team operation of abusing Target coupons and discount codes. And there were a few different coupons that the indictment mentioned, 
Apparently there was this $5 off coupon that could be scanned an infinite number of times. And then they were using like wedding and baby registry codes. And also the 10% off employee discount code. And by the way, this is something that I've actually seen a lot of people openly talk about on the TDB Discord, about how they were able to buy this code from a Target employee, which is super sketch. But anyway, this guy Aselli was allegedly the ringleader of this team of people that would go across the country and hit a bunch of Target stores at the self-checkout and scan all these coupons to get discounted stuff, which they then resold. And they were also accused of doing stuff like buying stuff at discounts and then trying to return it at the full price. And I'm sure he was doing a lot of other illegal stuff as well. But anyway, so what happened was that one of his accomplices had a falling out with him and ratted him out to the FBI. And then the investigators were able to get a search warrant for his Google account, which I'm sure they were able to find all sorts of evidence that was incriminating him. But then when it went to court, the case was actually dismissed because the search warrant was deemed to be overly broad. And I just thought that this was interesting because it's kind of a topic that's debated a lot on how much privacy you have over the internet and the Fourth Amendment. Because once someone hacks into your Google account, they really have access to everything, like your email, your Google Drive, and all of your passwords. And even if you don't like have your passwords stored into your Google account, they could still use your email to hack into whatever account that you used your email to sign up for. So I don't have all the details on the warrant and why exactly it was thrown out, but I can kind of see the argument behind it and how you'd really need to be careful with a warrant like that. But yeah, so apparently this entire case got thrown out and now this guy is still free to shop at Target. So if you made it this far, I hope that you thought some of my stories were interesting. And yeah, I'd just say, like, please try not to do anything that's too sketchy and stay safe out there. And just one more thing, if you ever wanted to contact me with any questions or comments about the show, you can DM me on Reddit. My username is churninglife. Or you can send me an email at churninglife at gmail.com. And I also have an email list you can sign up for if you go to churninglife.com. That'll make sure that you're notified whenever a new episode comes out like this one that I don't post about on Reddit. But yeah, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye.